Amen. It's so. All he had to do, with everything we see, he just spoke it into existence. And if he says you're healed, you're healed. If he says that needs met, it's met. If he says separate that water, it's done. So we can be encouraged today and know that whatever he says, no matter what you're going, is there with you, and he's got it under control, and all he has to do is speak it, and he's going to take care of it. Amen. Let's read. We was in Romans a minute ago with Steve's reading. We're going to go a few more chapters to the... We're going to look at Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Boy, I tell you what, Romans is... Uh, Dad was talking about how good John is. I tell you, another good book. It's a great book, and, and uh, what powerful truths is in there. Romans chapter 13, we're going to read 8 through 14. Romans 13, if you've got the of the Word, we're going to talk today a few minutes on it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. It says in verse 8, Oh, no, no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And that knowing the time, that now time to wake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed the night is far spent the day is at hand let us therefore cast off the work of darkness let us put on the armor of light let us walk honestly as in the day not in riding and drunkenness not in chambering and wantonness not in strife and envy be on the lord jesus christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof it's time to wake. Thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word. And God, I pray that, Lord, that you would speak. And that, God, that you would be the one that opens our eyes today. That, God, it would be your voice that would be heard. Almighty God, that you would stir us. Man, that you're trying to give us here, Lord, to open our eyes and realize the time that we live in, God, that it's so close to your coming. And that, God, we'd be prepared and looking and ready for your return. And that you're coming soon. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you look at these verses, there's actually, I could have read more. Paul has given several decrees right before these, a few verses before, honor those that deserves honor. Respect those in authority before you and above you. God's put them there. Even if you don't like them, we need to pray for them. Let's put them there for a purpose. Nothing happens that God doesn't know about. And he, and he says, don't owe anybody anything. Pay your debts. Don't, you know, don't get into debt with people. And, and, and then he's telling and pay your taxes, and he gives them all kinds of commands. And then he comes into these verses right here in verse 8, and he's talking about owing somebody. He says, you don't need to owe anybody anything except one thing. You need to owe people love. You need to realize that's a debt that the Lord has done. Why should we love people so much? Because he loved us so much. You know, the very fact, if you look at this, uh, uh, John 3, 16 that Dad was talking about, the, the first few words, it says, God so loved. That's the summary of the very reason that you're even here today. The very reason he spoke the world into existence. The very reason that he had a plan to send his son is summed up in those words, God so loved. And so God showed you love 
that's never been seen before. And he loves, that is the summary. God loves. Yes, holy. Yes, there's judgment because God is holy, but God loves. And so that's why his mercy is extended today. That's why he sent his son so that we could all have forgiveness of sins. But God showed his love to us. And so he wants, we are the hands, the feet, the body of Christ. We are the extended Christ that the people see. They don't see Jesus Christ. They see you and me. They hear about him. He works in hearts. He still saves, but he uses us as vessels. And so they can't see him today if we don't love. So you can be, you can do everything right. And if you don't have love, you're wasting your time. What does it say in Corinthians? That it's like a tinkling symbol. And you can give your body to be burned, but if you don't love, you're wasting your time. And so it says, there's one debt you never need to think you've paid off. You need to know, you need to keep loving. You need on each other. And it says that if you do that, you fulfill, you don't have to worry about all, you know, the, we talked a few weeks ago, I think the, the uh, religious leaders in Jesus' time, they were trying to follow like 631 laws that they came up. Most of them were them. They took the Ten Commandments and they just kept adding their own stuff to make it harder and harder. And they was trying to keep it. And so Jesus says, you don't have to try to worry about keeping 631. You just got to worry about keeping one. And so Paul is referring to that because he says this in verse 9, says, for this, it says that for thou shalt not commit adultery, not kill, not steal, thou shalt not witness, not covet, and if there be any other covenant or commandment, it is briefly comprehended. It's summed up in this. This is how to keep them all. Love your neighbor as yourself. So what he's saying there is, husband, could you truly love your wife with all of your heart and truly love her, willing to lay down your life for her out and have an adulterous relationship? You couldn't even think of it. Why? Because that love is in that place. Could you kill someone that you love? Could you really say, I love, you know, I was thinking as I was doing that. There's times our kids, we say, I'm going to kill that kid, you know? We think, but really inside, you love them to death and they, and they grieve you to death. Sometimes they wear you out sometimes. But there's times that they just make you want to just scream. But you would never think that you could never look at that kid that you love so much and actually kill them because you love them so much. And then when you get grandkids and it's even, oh my goodness, you know, you don't even know how to spank anymore because you love them so much. And so you can't even imagine. So he's saying here, you don't have to worry about murdering somebody. You don't have to, you can't cut. I was thinking about it, come out, covet. If you if get something better than you, would you ever say, well, that's not fair. They've got something better than me. And you're grieved because they got something or they accomplished something you didn't. No, that love our kids so much. When we see them accomplish great things, what are we doing? We're calling up people. We're taking pictures and putting it on Facebook. We want the world to know, look what my child has accomplished or what someone that I love. You're proud. And so he's saying it goes totally against the grain. If you really love, if you love the way I'm telling you to love, it's even greater than that. If you love people the way that I love people, talking about God, can't even imagine doing things that's going to harm them. And so he's saying here, if you get this picture, if you do this one thing, you know, it says that the greatest, in fact, Jesus was asked, and we talked about this recently, and he summed it up in, in Matthew 22, 38 through 40, and he tells him that uh, talking about love, Lord God, all the heart and all the mind, soul, and strength, and verse 38 says, this is the first and great commandment, and this like unto it, it's just, it's just like it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And on these two commandments hang all the laws and prophets. That's what he's talking about. He's saying that if you can get this right, you got it all right. Because if we love, let me tell you something. What is, what is people looking for more than anything else today? Someone to love them with all their heart. Someone that loves them not based on what they can give them. Unconditional love. And it's something we, we have trouble finding. It's not as prevalent as it needs to be. 
And, and there is, and so this verse 8 is telling us there's only one thing that you must do, and that's love one another. We see that uh, uh, in verse 10, it says about if we truly love our neighbor. By the way, who's our neighbor? Is our neighbor, is it talking about someone lives within a quarter mile of our house or someone? No, it's talking about anybody God puts in your path. There's going to be some neighbors in your path that's not in mine. And so God has put you in that place to love them. And when you love them, they can see him through you. So the, we're looking at three things today, just three, that if you truly are doing these things, we're going to see that he tells us that we need to love and make, no, and in verse 11, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. What he's saying here, he's given all these commands, and he's saying here that I've told you all these things to do, and you know to do them. And it says here, then the first part, by the way, my first point is today is that it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. Uh, some of us did this morning. I know I didn't want to wake up this morning. And, uh, and sometimes you want to hit the snooze a couple more times, don't you? But he's telling us here in this verse 11, it's time to wake up. He says, and that, the things that I've said, these things that I've said, knowing the time. He said, no, when it says time, it's not saying, he's not actually saying, you know, it's 1158. He's not saying that. What he's at, the word time here is a season. And what Paul is saying is God has put in your own understanding, you know the season that you're living in. And if we look at culture and the time that we're living, there is not anybody probably in this room today that would not be able to say we know the season, the Lord's coming soon because we're seeing fulfilled rapid basis pointing to the end's coming. And so he's saying to you, if you know that, and God is putting your heart, and you realize that things are happening so quickly that it's got to be soon. I was thinking last night, my son was coming over, and he was coming over with his girlfriend and her son, and so they were coming over, and, uh, and I knew basically the time they were coming. And so when he got close, I had my ring camera on the front door, and I was watching the street and just to see when he was coming. I wanted to know the moment he pulled in the driveway. Because we, I knew it to be looking when he came. And so that's what he's saying here. You need to, re, you know the season. I've already given you enough. You know I'm coming back soon. You need to wake up and realize it. Because so many intentions, so many of us have good intentions. We're going to do it. We're going to make it in. And we're going we're gonna to make it. You know those, those foolish virgins that the, the scripture talks about? They had every intention to go. They were really already made plans. They were going to be there. They were with, with some of the other people that was going to be there. And what happened? They fell asleep unprepared. And so they had good intentions. I was thinking this, not one that's going to be standing in heaven that got there upon good, just good intentions. It takes more than good intentions to make it into glory. It takes someone to act upon what they're saying. He's shaking them and saying, wake up. You need to realize it's time to wake up. Now it is high time. Have you ever heard that saying before? Hey, it's high time for somebody to do something. In other words, they're saying, hey, no more fooling around. Today's the day. we got to do something about this, right? And so that's what he's saying here. It's high time that we all shake ourselves and wake up because we're coming. And so, so many of the church is asleep, and we're not ready, and we're not looking for his coming. And so he said, wake up, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. In other words, every you know what? Today when you woke up and you took your first breath and you opened your eyes, you were one day closer to the coming of the Lord than you were yesterday. How many has been saved for many years? You're that much closer to the coming of the Lord, and it's coming soon. And so he's saying you are closer in time. And so there is three things. on When you wake up, we need to wake up because time is short. Time is short. We need to be alert. 
I was reading about this uh, college professor. He had this uh, odd thing that he did. No one seemed to understand it until one day they finally figured it. He called his class, and when he came to teach his class, he brought his bag with his material and stuff, and he would pull it out, and at the very end, he would unzip one pocket, and he would take a tennis ball out and on the podium, just set it there. And so everybody was just, he was teaching, but everybody kept looking at that. What's the tennis ball for? In the class, didn't do anything with it. Took it, put it back in his bag, zipped it up. He did that day after day. Finally, one day, he put the ball up there, and he's walking around teaching the class. A young man in the back of the class fell asleep. He kept on teaching, didn't miss a beat. He just kind of kept teaching, walked back up to the beginning or the, uh, up to his podium. He took the tennis ball. He launched it. It bounced off the boy's head to death, embarrassed him to death in front of the whole class. And he just kept right on teaching. He just picked the ball back up, and he set it right there back on the podium. The boy stayed awake. They really got the class. The teacher walked in. They was expecting him to do the same thing. He comes in. He gets his bag. He takes it up on the, on the, up on the podium. He unzips it, reaches in, and he pulls out a baseball and sets it up on the They said that no one ever fell asleep in his class again. He was trying to make a point. You need to stay awake. You need to be alert. You need to be listening and ready. So today, in the spiritual, we need a baseball. Sometimes, some of us do. I was remembering some of the times I fell asleep. I remember one time I was so tore up. I drove, and I had gotten the pins that we used to do, and I think you all did those here for a while, and people used to like them and stuff. Do you still do that? Okay, you still got that. Okay. I had seven. I was, I was only like 18. But I'd, or I was young, and uh, or, uh, I guess I was still 17. I'd gotten my 17 years pins, and, as I, and I was getting ready for my 18th. And it was during a period when Mom lost little Matthew. And uh, it was a traumatic week. And that Sunday, they had just got back from UK hospital, and we was exhausted the night before, I guess, being up late and so forth. And the next morning, I woke up. And Sunday school was half over, and I just woke up. And 18 years, I was going to get my, and I was, and I had to get ready to get to Sunday school before it was over with. And I remember I didn't even take a shower. I just probably didn't comb my hair. I put my clothes on, and I run over the hill and get down to the church. And I barely made it in time to get my 18, to be able to qualify for my 18. I almost overslept too far. And then I remembered another time that was important. My four years old, and he was going to have his adenoids. He was going to have surgery. And my wife and I was young, married, and mom and dad was coming to take us to Lexington. And we had to leave like at 4 o'clock or something, 4 or 5 in the morning. And we were so exhausted. I remember hearing boom, 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 boom on the door. And I, when I wake up and I'm like, <gasps> we're not even up. We already got ready. He's got surgery. And I, I remembered how that's important, and I almost threw it. There's a lot of people today, there's, they know. They have full intentions. They planned before they went to sleep. They were going to make it, but they fell asleep and didn't realize what they were doing. We need to realize that time is short, but we need to realize our opportunity is passing. What, what's God called you to do? He gave him all these instructions of what they need to be doing this last hours. And saying, you need to wake up and do what I just told you. You can't keep fooling around. Don't get good intentions ain't going to get it done. You got to do it. You got God put something in your heart. Don't say, well, maybe tomorrow or the next. God, he, he's saying here, the Lord's telling us through these. Do it. You got to step forward. Because it says in the first part of verse 12, says, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. This day here, 
It's most likely the Lord, the day of the Lord's return. The night is almost over. The work that God wants done, your family that you're praying for, that those things that God's put his finger on in your life, all those different situations, they're coming the time. We've got to get our eyes open. We've got to realize that time is so short and opportunity is passing. We need to realize that we impact other people. There's people that God wants to reach out and do to bring them into the church and to be saved. I was reading this little statement someone had wrote about the church and it was the title of it was this is my church and it's like me it says here it says this is my church. it is composed of people just like me it will be friendly if i am it will do a great work if i work it will be gen it will give generous gifts to many causes if i'm generous it will bring others into the fellowship if i bring them it will be filled if I feel them. It will be a church of loyalty and love, of faith and service. If I who make it what filled with these, therefore, with God's help, I dedicate myself to the task of being all these things I want my church to be. We are the one that God is using to reach out to other people, but he can only do it if we surrender ourselves to him completely and let him work through us. So we need to be determined and realize opportunity is passing. We need to also realize that the last part of that verse in verse 12, the dot is far spent. The day of the Lord is at hand. We need to wake up because Christ is coming. So we need to wake up first, but then we need to, and I've heard this many, straighten up. We need to straighten up. You ever get told to straighten up by your parents? Straighten up there, young man. I heard that a few days. Straighten up there. Straighten up. And I was, I was, that's actually telling you is that you're doing something you don't need to be doing. You need to quit that or something's coming right behind me telling you straighten up. I was thinking about even, even physically straightening up. So, you know, sometimes ever my, you know, I always slouched and, you, and it's destroyed my back doing that. But there's sometimes that even, I think even mom would say, now straighten up. Cause I'd be hunt, you know, you hunch over, you get, what happens? You get lazy and get relaxed and you just kind of cave into the pressures and just whatever feels comfortable. And then sometimes you need, you need to be erect. You need to straighten up because you need to realize that, and, and, and even in our spiritual lives, we need to quit being relaxed so much. We need to realize that the Lord is coming. We need to be erect and looking and waiting for his coming. It says in the last part of that verse 12, let us therefore cast off darkness and put on the armor of light. It's saying quit messing around. Quit messing around because time is so short. We've got to straighten up. We've got to None of us is going to be standing there and say, but I didn't know because I didn't, no one told me. But most of us knows what we should do, and we just don't do it. 16 tells us what happens when, if we straighten up and we walk before the Lord. It says in verse 16, it says, because he wants you to be a light. It says, the people which sat in darkness saw light, and to them which sat in the region, the shadow of death, light is sprung up. Do you know what? If we do what the Lord is asking us to do here, you are the lot. We've been studying about this armor the last couple of weeks in our Wednesday night studies, and we learned this last week about the breastplate, that it, it actually protects you in and out. It protects you from the, the carnal nature that's within us, and it kind of it keeps us in check, and it keeps us under the control of Jesus Christ, and it also protects us from the outward influences and those things on the out, the out in the world that wants to, to uh, destroy us. But it, here it says that put on... The armor of light. You see that when you are walking and you're fulfilling this call in your life, the people, 
you are a lot to the people around you that is that are walking in dark. You know what? If you if you're in the dark, if you you've done this probably before, all that total darkness is a little bit of light, and it can fill the room. We are living in a spiritual culture of total darkness almost. The only thing that's holding back total darkness is the Holy Spirit in His church. And so when we fulfill the call that Christ is in our life, we are a beacon to this world. And the world can see Christ. If we are living for Him, He can be a light that the world sees and He can use us so others can see Christ through us. Also, when we straighten up, we're, we're more like Christ. We, our life becomes more like Him. It's Colossians 3.8. But now ye also put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Something that happens when we straighten up and we surrender to Him and we realize the time that we're living in, then we need to realize that we are a lie to the world and it will change the look and the change the way we live. Also, if we're straightening up, this is something if I were to say the, the next point, Dad's famous uh, sayings that he says, he says, keep looking up. It's time to look up. If we're straightening, the third point here is it's time to not only to uh, wake up, it's not time just to straighten up, it's time to look up. We need to realize that His is coming soon. Luke 21, 27, and 28 and says, And then they shall see the Son of Man coming in a, with great or power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, when they begin to come to pass, then look up. For your redemption draweth nigh. So many people's waiting until the trumpet sound to look up. And what he's saying here, that when you even see the signs of the times, when you even see that time is coming to a close, look up, get ready. Get awake, get prepared, get your stuff together because I'm coming soon. And he's not going to give people another chance. He's given us, he's already told us. And it's, it's so one has given us all the prophecy and all the fulfillment that he has. You know, when you look at it, he did the same thing before he came. He gave prophecy before the Messiah came and he fulfilled every one of them. There was over 300 that he fulfilled. And, and the, the fact that he, eight or 10, I've told you, told you this statistic before, kind of boggles my mind. If you, you, if you look at the map or if you've been to Texas and you realize that how, that's why they call it big, because it is, it's big. Texas is big. And they said the ability for Jesus just, I think it was just to fulfill eight of those 300 that he fulfilled, is like taking silver dollars pouring over the entire state of Texas to for someone to walk somewhere and just happen to get to the exact right spot on the map of Texas, exactly where it was, reach down through that two-foot pile and that you're looking for. And that's what you're really talking about with a needle in a haystack. There's no way you could do that. He statistically, that was eight. He fulfilled over 300. So he gave us the exact, he let us know before he came, when this happens, it's the real deal. This is who he's going to be. It just—it isn't just somebody, oh, we think that's him. No, you can know that's him. He also fulfilled the life that he was living and, and that he was going to, and even told his disciples, I'm going to come, I'm going to die, I'm going to be buried, I'm going to raise on the third day. 
Nobody seemed to pay attention. Ready. They were unprepared. Even when it happened, they weren't looking for him. They were asleep. They weren't ready. They weren't listening. And it gives us an ideal of exactly, can we do the same day? We, he's already showed us that he proved that he, what he was going to do when he came and what he was going to fulfill while he was here. And then he's told us, now I'm going and I'm coming back. And when I do, here's what it's going to be happening before I come back and all that. And yet the majority, there is billions that are asleep today. They're not ready. They're not looking. They're not even caring. It's amazing. But it says, begin to happen, look up. That's where our eyes needs to be, is looking heavenward. We need to be getting, if you're, if you're planning on a trip, on vacation after service today, your car would be packed. Your clothes would be ready. Your reservations would be made. You would have taken off work. You would have some money in your pocket. And you would have the car full of gas. And you would be ready to hit the, you would, be, you would make preparations, right? When we do anything, we make preparations. And yet the most important decision, many times, this world that we're living in, we make no preparation. We're just hoping. We have good intentions. The majority of the world has good intentions. They're going to make it. But not. it says that not many people is going to find that path. Not many is going to find it. Many are going to say they're going to, but there's going to be many and good intentions. I was reading as I closed today a little story of a man that the Titanic that sunk in 1912 it had sunk or they thought it had sank and so they had they had he had led an expedition his name was George Tullock and he had led an expedition to go to this these artifacts from this would be valuable and so he had a he had a major expedition with ships and a submarine and everything that he had and they'd went down and recovered a ton of wonderful artifacts and brought them back to the surface. The last thing that they had tried to get was a piece of iron from the ship, part of its hull. And they had pulled it to the top. And that was going to be like their masterpiece. That was going to be the most, I mean, the haul back. And they got it to the surface. And just as they got it to the surface, this major storm come moving in on them. And the waves holding this big piece of iron snapped. And it sunk back to the bottom of the ocean floor again. He was determined that he was coming back. That was his. He's coming back. He took his submarine, his little submarine he had, little mini one. And he took a piece of metal. And on the metal, I will be back, signed George Tullock. And he went down under the ocean and found that and attached out of that hole to let everybody know, I'm coming back. <laughs> as soon as I can, this is mine, and I'm coming back. Jesus Christ did the exact same thing. He's coming back. When he left, he says, and the angels told us, why, why are you gazing into heaven? You know, where I'm saying look up. And, the, and as he goes up into heaven, you can imagine you would be still staring at the sky. You see that the Lord actually go up into the air and into the clouds and then disappear. And so these two angels say, what are you staring up in the sky for? This same Lord that just left, he's coming back the exact same way. But he's coming back for those that are. And he, when he left, he said, I will be back. He put his name on his church. His, it's, it's washed in his blood. And he's coming back for those. So today I admonish you that 
we do it by love. And so the thing that he's encourages us here to do today is to love others, ourselves. And then those that we want, even this Wednesday night, what an opportunity we're going to have. Wednesday night for anybody that maybe is not part of this church and some bring them that when they get here, the one thing they can say when they leave is, oh, those people love you. I can tell they love you. Isn't that the most important thing? Listen, when you, when you pass this earth, the, your, how big your house is isn't really good. I hope that's not what they can say about me is look at something he's got. Look at all the gadgets. I've got some gadgets. Look at the gadgets he's got. Look at, look at this thing. Or what, he had a good job or this, that, and the other. The most important thing that, can, that lasts is when someone says, there's one thing I knew about that guy or that lady. They loved you, and they really did. That's something that keeps on working and moving, and people can see Christ through you. And so we need to realize that time is short to get ready. Time is short to do the work that he wants us to do, and time is short for the Lord's coming is not. And I want to be ready, don't you? I want to wake up. I want to see what he's got to say and do what he's asked me to do because there's going to be so many that's going to be in his presence and think if I would have just woke up, if I could have just woke up before it was too late. Let's stand this morning bow our heads. Know that God, that you are Lord coming soon. Lord, you've made it obvious, Lord, with the time that we're living in and all the turmoil and all the darkness and all the evil that's trying to... And God, we can feel it. But God, we know most of all, we can feel you and your glory and your presence to know you've got it all under control. And Lord, you're coming for those that are looking for you who have things. Lord, you told us to lay down the things that's, that, that, Lord, that's going to hinder us, that's going to cause us not to be ready. They're going to get our attention away from you. God, I pray that you search our hearts, Lord. Lord, everybody in this entire service, even those online, God, that you would deal with hearts and that, God, you would show us what you're talking about. And, Lord, we'd be willing to lay it down so that we would be ready. Willing for a church that's ready and looking. And that way, when we stand before you, Lord, we're going to be able to see you face to face. And you're coming after those who do what you tell them to do, not just hear. God, I pray if there's someone in this service today, God, if they're not ready, that you would deal with their hearts, that God, today, they would not say maybe next week or maybe some other time, but today would be the day of their salvation. And then, God, if there's someone here today, you, you, you've been dealing with them, you've been working in their heart and life, and you've been trying to draw them in closer, you've been trying to tell them to wake up, Lord, that they would say, I'm doing it today, I'm more. I'm going to step out. I'm going to let God have full control of my life today because today is when you're trying to stir us. Today is the day you're trying to open our eyes. And we hear your voice, what you're doing. And we want to give, Lord, complete control to you, God, that you would move and work. This morning, if you keep your heads bowed this morning, I just want to give those to, an opportunity to, for, for me to know who to, to call out to God. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know who to pray. If you're here in this place this morning, you're willing to say, I I'm not ready. I know that I'm not ready. And I know that I need to wake waiting around. And maybe the Lord's dealing with me. And I know that I need to give my heart to him, and I've not, and I know time's running out, and I want you to pray for me. Pray for me that I will give my heart. One in the service this morning willing to say that and say I need to give my heart and life to the Lord Jesus. No one's looking for me. If you want to just raise your hand and say, remember me when you pray. Remember me this morning. Hallelujah. Anybody in this house this morning would be bold enough to say that. And the Lord sees and what we're doing. Hallelujah. Well, anybody else here? There's some things that God's wanting to do in my life, and I don't want to wait any, any longer. I want to hear His voice, and I want to be ready, whatever He wants me to do, and I want Him to have His way.
the Lord to have his way. And I'm right here today. I'm making a stand and says, I'm ready. I'm going to move forward. I want to get my eyes where they need to be. And you're saying, pray for me this morning. Hallelujah. Lord, you see our hearts. You see our lives, almighty God. Lord, I know that, God, you're trying to stir a generation. Lord, you're trying to get your church to get us, Lord, to, to be ready for your appearing. And, God, I pray that, God, you see our hearts. You see the conditions. You see, Lord, what you're trying to do. And, God, it's your house. It's your God this morning. As they sing this morning, this altar is open. And I want to encourage us to come and stand and say, Lord, here I am. I'm yours right now. My whole life, my whole render to you this morning. Hallelujah. This altar is open. Hallelujah. Almighty God, have your way.